quack 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 we're going down to the desert and any true duck fan knows it doesn't matter what the overall record for the sun devils is when you're going down to the desert anything can happen and um and anyone who's been listening to this this show recently the quack 12 knows that we are a duck podcast first but coming up second here we are an arizona state podcast because we have loved watching this super plucky team. You know, it, it's got to be a little bit heartbreaking to watch it as a diehard fan or as someone who has to cover this team every week. But it has been some entertaining football regardless. And Kenny Dillingham is doing a pretty, pretty solid team, a pretty solid job down there. Um, to break down this team, we have Hippleday of Addicted to Quack, uh, the managing editor and film reviewer. How are you doing, Hippleday? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, I've just been boning up on my swinging gate, uh, trying to really understand that so I can get this team. And then uh, we have a dear friend of the podcast and someone who we will have to figure out some way to get them back on this show because <laughs> the Pac-12 is, is about to be gone. So maybe, you know, in a bowl game, hopefully in the future. But Hode Rubino of Devil's Digest. How you doing, Hode? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. It's it's wonderful to have you on yet again. It's sad that it, you know, may be the last time for a while, but <laughs> yeah. I am excited about uh, to talk about this roster and I know there's a lot of injuries and such, so let's not sp- you know, waste any time here. Let's get right into it today. So, uh yeah, no, injuries sort of the name of the game with Arizona State this year. It's boy, I I'm not sure I've ever seen a situation this this catastrophic. I think uh, most Pac-12 fans or at least have a passing familiarity with the quarterback um situation uh you know we had talked over the summer about how hey arizona state did a really good job of like stocking up on a bunch of uh, good quarterbacks here so at least they have you know a lot of depth and a lot of options to choose from and then they all get hurt you know it's kind of crazy and and then the other situation that maybe people uh, you know might not be aware of is just how bad the offensive line has been banged up i mean it is i don't think i've ever seen any offensive line you know, situation like as bad as this. Um, and then there's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the defense in a little bit. You know, the defense is going through, you know, some some injury situation, including a couple of guys that it's just like, yeah, you've got to be kidding me, um, you know, with their sort of injury luck. I, I just, um, first of all, my heart goes out to all those guys, you know, pain sucks. Uh, second of all, you know, is there something going on, you know, with this team? Like did, did Kenny Dillingham like piss off La Llorona, you know, when he got <laughs> back to, to, you know, like what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I just think, you know, that uh, there's some seasons that the injury gods are just not going to be kind to you. So maybe uh, the silver lining of all this, that uh, 2024 better be, a hell lot smoother for ASU when it comes to injuries because they definitely pay their dues and then some. Perm uh, hangover. That's what I think it is. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure there's a faction of the fan base that uh, subscribes to that theory as well, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think some of it is just, uh, you know, just uh, just pure bad luck. I mean, so, someone asked Kenny Dillingham point black. I mean, do you think that the strength and conditioning, you know, program was lacking or something? And look, I mean, even if Kenny Dillingham thought that, I mean, he wasn't going to say that on record, but uh, but that's something he dismissed, uh, you know, right away. Um, You know, he did say that uh, the team practices hard, but he he wants them even to practice harder. And he also said in recent weeks that he had to scale back the intensity of the practice and intensity that he he doesn't even see as being adequate to begin with just because of all the injuries mounting. 
Look, I mean, sometimes I think with uh, offensive defensive linemen, if you don't have pro, you know proper technique, uh, you know, I think sometimes it's easier to suffer um, a, a lower leg injury. Yeah. If you just you know just just really you know catching a bad angle or or any, anything of that sort. So I'm sure there's some of that element uh, with the uh, offensive line injuries, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely been a trip. And uh, you know, offensive line and quarterback, those are two. Uh, uh, positions that your office is, office is, is really going to um, you know live and die by, and with all the injuries that ASU had in those positions, uh, obviously it's been a, a struggle for uh, obvious reasons. Yeah, you know that's the thing. Uh, having watched this team, yeah, you know, I've, I've charted all their games, um, including the FCS game because it was like it yeah. was a sort of suspiciously. I normally don't chart FCS games, but like <laughs> it was such a suspiciously close game. I was like, ooh, that's intriguing. Oh yeah has been useful because it means I got like half of Jaden Rashada's games. And, and I don't know, he might be back for this one. I want to ask you about that in a second. But just, uh, you know, the thing that's been just as well, we're still sort of on the overview about this team is that like for anybody who thinks, uh, you know, uh, oh, this team hasn't won a lot of games, you know, and, and uh, you know, the, and Kenny Dillingham like turned over like almost as many, you know, it's almost as much of a roster turnover as Deion Sanders did at Colorado. You know, if Deion Sanders didn't do what he did at Colorado, w- the story of the offseason would have been Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State. Like in some ways, Deion Sanders ran interference, you know, for <laughs> Kenny Dillingham, you know. Sure. And, you know, so anyway, like if anybody thinks like, Oh, this team just like doesn't have anybody, you know, the, like it's got no talent. It's got, you know, no, uh, nothing at all going for them. I really don't think that's true at all. Um, when I watch this team, what I see is something like, I'm just going to like pull a number out of the air, like something like between like 60 to 75% of like a good team. Mm-hmm. Like not all the way there. Like that was never going to happen in a single season. Like he, he, like Kenny Gillingham, just can't like snap his fingers and get a bunch of blue chips to show up in a single season. Like you know, he's not a Georgia or whatever that, that he can do that. Uh, but like you know, he inherited some good players, and he did find I think you know a couple of other you know good players through the portal. It's still going to take a little while to get to to hundred percent, but like he's on his way. Like, I, I sort of appreciate the roster management, you know, job that he did. The thing is, in between, is that the 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 positions where he's, like, most injured at, like, the most problematic is that his it's his quarterback, it's mm-hmm. his offensive line, and then most recently it's been his defensive line. And it's like, mm-hmm. you those are the most important positions. Like those are the positions where if you take injuries, that's it. You're dead. You're done. Like, you know, you can sort of, you can take some hits to your wide receivers and like, you know, you can find some other dudes to catch the ball, you know, like you cannot, you, you cannot take these kinds of injuries to, to, to these positions and, and, and function as a football team. And like, that's why, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, they, they really have outsized, you know, impacts. And, and that's why this team, like, you know, has the record that it does, e- even though like, I, it looks like its record looks like it's like an F, you know, football sure. team. And, and, and I don't think it is. I think it's more like, 
a, a B minus C plus football team. It's just they have the worst possible injuries to sort of make them look that. Ho, do you think think I'm on the right track there, or do you think I'm missing something? No, not, not, no, not at all. I, I definitely agree with you with uh, you know, the main two points, um, and I also looked at that myself too. Quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, those are positions where you, you really can't have like maybe the, the same level of adequate depth as you would at other positions. So when you have your number one and number two uh, uh, quarterback go down, when you have one, when you have your sack leader uh, go, go down on defense, uh, you know th those are really uh, hurdles that are that are hard are hard to overcome. And uh, unless you're you know a top ten team in the country that you know has you know four stars lining up there on third team in practices, uh, you're, you're definitely going to find yourself in an issue and. Especially uh, to your point, with ASU having a massive roster turnover, having over 50 new players uh, com coming into this season, uh, you know you, you're really trying to figure out uh, okay who who does what best, and you know when when you have the mounting injuries, now you have a process that maybe under normal circumstances you could just take your time trying to figure it out, and now you're just really thrusting uh, you know players uh, you know in the fire. I mean ASU. Uh, two games ago, started a true freshman at left tackle. Yeah, and and a lot of people will tell you, like right off the bat, like I don't care how good that player was in high school, that is a recipe for disaster. So and and that happened. Oh, by the way, against against Utah, which yeah, uh, right. you know, I, yeah, I good tell, luck, man. I, yeah, and I, I have to tell you guys, even though you guys uh, you know smoked the hell out of them in Salt Lake, I have to tell you guys how uh, how stout the defensive line is. So yeah, I mean the, the injuries. The, the quantity and the quality of them have definitely been devastating uh, for ASU. But, yeah, it's it's a fun team to watch. It's a team that, you know, aside from the game uh, um, at, at Utah, I think every game from the – every game in the Pac-12, I mean, they, they definitely kept it close. They, they definitely kept it industry. I mean, USC, Cal, Colorado, those are all games that you can make a legitimate argument. If you watch that film from, from start to finish, that ASU definitely had a chance to win that game and maybe deserved to win. Uh, the, you know, if not all three games, at least at least two of them, and obviously they're able to get over get get over the hump against uh, you know Washington Washington State and, and UCLA, and came pretty darn close uh, to beating Washington. And uh, I'm sure that's uh, one uh, bad mark against Arizona State from an Oregon Oregon fan that uh, ASU didn't finish the job over there in Seattle <laughs> yeah, right. because it, pretty, it was pretty uh, damn close. But you know, I, I think ASU kind of proved themselves in recent weeks that. This is not a team that any Pac-12 team will want, will, you know, wants to face. And I'm not saying that you know ASU is on the same level as an Oregon or a Washington or even a Utah in terms of teams that really really wish it weren't on your schedule. But I think I think teams have really figured out, even going back to four or five weeks ago, that when you play ASU, you're you're in for a fight, and you better not look at their win and loss record because it's not going to tell you anything about how many blood, sweat, and tears you're going to have to pour. Uh, to, uh, to to beat this team, and again, you you, know, you look at the scores, you know, to take out the Utah game, and, I, and that's that is not just me theorizing over here. This is just really looking at cold hard facts, and how ASU was able to contend with the Pac-12 foes. All right, let's talk about the the quarterback situation. So, <laughs> to start the year, we had Jaden Rashada, the true freshman, which I, I thought was the right move uh, from Kenny Dillingham. Like I, I thought, sort of looking at that quarterback room and sort of you know what his landscape for twenty twenty three was that like investing in the future. 
um, and just saying like, we know what this season is. We know what sort of the expectations of, of this staff, you know, is and, and sort of the leash that I'm going to be given that like, yeah, let, you know, let, let's do the sort of the Dorian Thompson Robinson playing as a true freshman at UCLA thing, you know, like, you know, let, let's start early with this guy. So he goes out and he plays. And like I said, I charted that game. Um, and it's, it wasn't a real encouraging performance, but like whatever, it was a true freshman in his first game. Then he plays against Oklahoma State, also not a real encouraging performance, and then he gets hurt, and we haven't seen him since. Mm -hmm. And then, I, I guess, you know, next up had been Drew Pro Drew Pine. Drew Pine had been the starting quarterback at Notre Dame, who, like, led the Irish to like 10 wins last year. I never really thought he was a terrible quarterback. You know, it, he, he did have that, you know, pretty hilarious video of getting yelled at uh, <laughs> on, on the internet and looking exactly like a puppy who had knocked over the kitchen garbage. Um, but uh, um, I was kind of shocked with how poorly he played. Um, I, I, I really didn't understand that. And then he got hurt. So I guess I'm never going to understand that. Um, I guess I'll pause for a second. Any theories there, Hode? Um, look, I mean, when, when you look, we look at the quarterback situation, it, it's kind of interesting because Drew Pine, I believe, towards the latter part of fall camp, was probably the quarterback that, that Kenny Dillingham was was going to start, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And I, look, I don't I, have any trouble believing that. Like, he had the most experience. Yeah. And, um, when uh, he uh, went down, I think at that time it was about maybe 10 days uh, before fall camp ended, mm -hmm. Kenny Dillingham, you know, has been very, very straightforward with the media, uh, really in, in all his press conferences, media availabilities, what have you. Uh, he said that Drew Pine going down really uh, shuffled, shuffled the deck for him and really threw him off in terms of what he wanted to do right now as far as starting quarterback. And that was really, you know, you didn't, you didn't have to be a genius to read between the lines. That he wanted Drew Pine to start, and I, I think at that point, uh, you know, Jaden Rashada was probably thought about more than than the current starter uh, Trent Borgay. So it wasn't really a shock that uh, he did decide to to start uh, Jaden Rashada, and Rashada, ironically, just you know, a couple of days before Pine went down with that uh, hamstring injury, uh, Rashada really was uh, get, get, getting in a groove and, and, and finding his stride and. And after a very pedestrian spring, which you, you really can't put much stock in it. I mean, it's not only was his first ever spring practice on the college team, but he literally arrived on campus to, just uh, two weeks prior. So, yeah, you know, there was a lot of adjustment <laughs> on the field and off the field uh, for, for a true freshman. So, you know, him, him, him starting uh, was, wasn't exactly a shock. And what what was really interesting, and I'm sure for some fans, they're frustrating that both against Southern Utah – and uh, in Oklahoma State, the second game of the season, uh, basically you saw Jaden Rashada, who played a pretty solid first half, and second half the the numbers just plummet. Yeah, that's really and, true. Yeah, and um, you know, and I know that the whole halftime adjustment. Some people swear by it. Some people think it's one of the most overused mm. elements in, in football. And, and and look, and I think yeah, halftime adjustments are definitely important, but in-game adjustments are just as important, if not more important. And I think part of it was really the coaching staff just not being able to put Jaden Rashada in a in good positions to succeed in the second half as they did in the first half. 
And I don't know if you were going to come to this point later on or not, but uh, the offensive coordinator, Bo Baldwin, after uh, ASU in week three, uh, were shut out at home by Fresno State 29-0, basically got the pl- play-calling duties yanked yeah. from him, and, not, and Kenny Dillingham has been calling plays ever, ever since. So now you wonder if Kenny Dillingham was really calling plays from, from day one, which I know kind of makes your offensive coordinator position, uh, you know, not not all that useful. Uh, you know what? You know, does General Shada able to really put together uh, yeah. two, 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 you know, two good uh, first, uh, two good halves? I'm sorry, in each game, and maybe we're seeing just a whole different trajectory uh, of of this team. So, yeah. So, to, uh, to, you know, Trent Borgay is, is a starter that was there um, uh, last year for the last six games, and uh, you know, he's, he has been a little up and down. I think with Borgay, the biggest thing is that he really needs the the rushing game to to support him. Yes. Um, you know, I, I mean, even though Bo Nix is obviously blessed with an unbelievable rushing game that really creates an, a crazy balanced offense, if, if there's going to be like one day where the Ducks are, you know, just not able to run the ball, um, Bo Nix on his own can definitely uh, compensate for that and then some. But uh, when it comes to Borgay, he can't. I mean, Borgay actually had back-to-back games against Cal against Colorado where he threw, threw over 300 yards. So he's he's not even close to being the worst quarterback in this league or anything like that. But because he didn't have any rushing game, uh, that really hurt his ability to make uh, to, to make plays in clutch moments. So um, yeah, I mean the quarterback situation, uh, you know, as as we said earlier, uh, just has been a real mess. And I don't know if you're about to ask about Jaden Rashada. Jaden Rashada uh, did practice uh, today for the first time in team segments since week two. So uh, to answer answer your question, that probably was forthcoming. Yes, I do expect Jaden Rashada to probably take some snaps. I don't know if he's really ready to start. Yeah. But uh, if this game um, is a, is going to turn into a blowout, uh, I, I think the chances are uh, you are going to see Jaden Rashada. It might be just you know in a very very strict snap count, but uh, I, I think the, I think there's, there's definitely a good chance. And also, I should mention that prior to the UCLA game, I mean pregame warmups. I'm sorry, Jaden Rashada was fully dressed, fully warming up. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew he was not going to play, but I think uh, when you start getting a player like him coming back from uh, a long injury into that uh, uh, game day mental reps one week, that means most likely you're playing the next week. Yeah, I, I've been turning over the question in my head of of whether Dillingham <laughs> would want to play, you know, Rash- like if Rashada is healthy, whether it's a good idea to play him or not. On the one hand, like, you know, like I said, I, I thought it probably made sense to play him this season as a true freshman, as an investment into the future, sort of DTR style. And, you know, you bring up a good point about Bo Baldwin's firing because this is now the second time he's been fired by a Pac-12 coach. Well, like, well yeah, let's well, be clear. I'm sorry. He has, he has, he's been fired as far as well, play, play caller. He's still on the staff, but like yeah. I said, an offensive, offensive coordinator that, that's, not, that's not calling plays. Uh, yeah, I know. Of, what, what is he doing? Yeah. Getting coffee? Like, yeah. No, okay. I mean, he, all right. He is, no. Yeah, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, but look, I mean, uh, trust me, this, the same question that you're asking, fans have been asking me all season long, and I said, look, if ASU had somebody who could coach quarterbacks as good as Bo Baldwin, then yes, Bo Baldwin would not be on the staff. Period. End of story. And 99.9% Bo Baldwin will not be part of the staff in 2024. But uh, you know, for sure. now, for now, I mean. He, he does. He does serve a purpose in terms of, uh, you know, coaching up the quarterback, quarterbacks. I'm sure he has some input on the game plan. I don't think. I don't think Kenny Dillingham is 
shutting him out 100%. Yeah. But, no, I mean, uh, I think both he and Troy Taylor, you know, they were together at Eastern Washington at the same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, they both got, sort of got hired at Pac-12 schools at the same time. And I sort of think the tra- trajectory of both of their careers sort of points towards Troy Taylor was probably the the brains of that operation. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the, the, setting that aside, what exactly his job status is, I think sure. you still raise a good point that like what would happen if Kenny Dillingham were calling plays for Rashada from the get go. And so it's an intriguing possibility. Like what would happen if, if Rashada were thrown in against the ducks as the starter, I sort of doubt it's going to happen because yeah. given the status of this offensive line and given the status of the ducks, pass rush you know i sort of think that's a recipe to get him hurt again um i you know i i don't want to sound like too like triumphalist about oregon's pass rush but i mean i watch it every week um i I don't think that would be a good idea um on the other hand i also think that you're you you've got a good point about like hey that you know this this game might you know give an opportunity towards the end of the game to to get him some reps again and Mm -hmm. like yeah, like that that dude could use some reps. So I, you know, I, I actually think you know that'd be that'd be pretty cool too. Um, but I am sort of I'm expecting to see Borgay, assuming that he's sort of healthy again. He took an injury when he took a sack at sort of the beginning of the Utah game two weeks ago. Um, it, it was I, I watched that play a couple of times. It sort of looked like while he was being sacked, it, it was sort of like his 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 foot got sort of stressed while he was being sacked, like against the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and then like sort of so then he came back in for another drive and he, he just was sort of wasn't able to make it work. Yeah. He came back and played against UCLA the next week, but it was sort of like it was evident that he was a little gimpy. And then sort of, as was very amusing to watch, uh, Kenny Dillingham kept doing weird stuff during that game. <laughs> you know, he had uh, he had uh, Cam Scadabo and, and uh, Jalen Conyers throwing passes. Um, yeah. I think uh, Scadabo threw three and Conyers threw five. Get a couple of explosives, too, interestingly. Uh, Scadabo threw a touchdown. Yeah, so Heisman Heisman campaign for Scott. <laughs> like, I mean, go. he's a running back. He's a punter, he's a quarterback. Like, I, I love this guy. Um, uh, Travis Hunter, eat your heart out. So, yeah, uh, the swing gate stuff. Like, yeah, my 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 goodness. I'm sort of all over the map with this question. Number one, what have you seen out of Borgay in practices? Do you think he's back to 100% or what do you think the deal with him is? Look, I mean, he, he, did, he did take off uh, first team reps today in practice, so I, I, I do expect him to start. I mean, I mean, to your point, I think uh, having Rashad start with all the rust that he is that he does have to knock off and the type of defensive line that he's, that he's facing uh, really would be foolish. I think at this point, you know, Rashad is uh, in a situation where you can play you can play this week and next week, and that'll be four games on the nose, which means that he can use this year as a retro. Right. So. Uh, yeah, I, I got. It'd be hard for me to see Borgay not starting. Uh, I don't think Borgay is still. Um, still. I think he's still. I'm sorry, not not 100. percent But, uh, but I mean, no. they don't have any yeah. other option because the only other dude they could possibly play is Conover. And I mean, yeah. look, man, I, I watched him play. I don't. I'll be as polite as I can. I, I don't think they can win a game playing Jacob Conover. No, oh, yeah, he, 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 he struggled in practice too. By the way. Uh, you know, so I mean, in spring I mean practice. he could be the healthiest man in the world. They can't win a game with him. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, that that's uh, you know, you know, the definite definitely a fair assessment. I would say 
that if Rashada came on board much earlier than he did, I don't think ASU would have been takes kind of out of the portal, kind of whatever they yeah. uh, transfer from BYU. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it is what it is when it when it when it comes to when it comes to Conover, and uh, I really think that uh, Jaden Rashada is going to be the backup for Borgay. But what does it look like in terms of a snap count? Is just really really hard to say. But you know, if it's like you know, end of end of third, beginning of fourth, and we got everybody in the state that knows that this game is out of hand, then sure, I, I guess I can see Rashada taking some runs. The thing with Borgay that's interesting is that I mean he beat Washington last year. I mean I I, yeah. I like the guy. He certainly has. I mean he's got a connection with 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 certain receivers. Like he really likes Sanders. He's got a pretty good connection with uh, with Conyers. Like he definitely like seeks out Conyers on the field. It's weird because I think he underutilizes Badger. Do you know what I'm talking about, Hode? Yeah, I mean I think with Badger it was a process where uh, he did have a, a definitely rough rough start to the season and Congress for that matter too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it really was more, more a function of that because if, if you know, cause I know somebody like yourself that does watch a lot of game film, you remember that Badger and Conyers had a great connection with uh, yeah. Borgay in 2022 in the latter half of the schedule. Conyers and, uh, and Borgay, by the way, are roommates. So, uh, yeah. so that, that, uh, that definitely doesn't hurt when you talk, talking X's and O's at the dinner table. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think uh, just you know, just the whole offense struggling. That that's really what I would attribute. You know, maybe Borgay not finding Badger um, as often as often as he did. But um, I think Badger is a player that if you just look at the last four or five games, has definitely uh, made somewhat of a hundred eighty degree turn from how he started the season. And most of the time, it is Borgay that's uh, that's out there, uh, you know, passing passing the ball to him and everything. So. Yeah, I, I would say I would say the connection is uh, is still is still pretty good between uh, Borgay, Borgay and Badger, and also Borgay for Conyers for that matter. Again, I think it's just more, more rooted in those two players, uh, just starting the season on, on a pretty slow note and just taking them a time uh, to to, you know, to, really, to really get into the groove. But I also feel that Borgay, because of the issues on the offensive line, wasn't always getting adequate pass protection. So yeah, <clears throat> if he's um, if he's one hopping balls to Badger to Conyers or to any other receiver for that matter uh sometimes it's because that he he's getting in a nanosecond a, a defender in his face and that also plays a factor too I want to ask you about the 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 running backs obviously you know I, I love Cameron Scadabo I, I really don't have any questions about him <laughs> but the the questions that I do have though is like What's up with all the running backs in this room? I understand that DeCarlos Brooks, the transfer from Cal, has been hurt because I haven't seen him in a while. Correct. It seems like they've been going through a lot of different other quarter, uh, uh, excuse me, running backs like Kyson Brown. Um, I, I I feel like I should have been seeing more of Tevin White. I agree. You know, but I don't. Like, I think he's only gotten like 10 carries all year. You know, uh, George Hart... Uh, I haven't seen him at all. Is he hurt? He was. He was earlier in the year, and it, it is kind of interesting because the uh, ASU coaches said that they did not want Tam Scadabo to, to to be that work workhorse that's, that's really going to take twenty twenty five carries on the regular each each and every game. I mean, it's but, like ninety percent of carries are going to yeah, Tam Scadabo. Yeah, ex- exactly. So, uh, you know, that, I'm talking. I'm saying what the goal was preseason, but yeah, uh, yeah. I know. I, yeah, yeah but, but, but but yeah, and and DeCarlos Brooks actually was a pretty dependable and good uh, uh, number number two running back until he got hurt early in the season. Uh, then when he came back, you know, definitely showed how much he was valuable. Even in that game 
the game against Washington. I mean, sure, ASU lost the game, but DeCarlos Brooks was a great compliment, really, uh, when running back to the two camps, Scadaboo. But uh, then, then he got hurt again. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, Cam Scandal, as impressive as he has been, especially for somebody coming from the FCS levels, if he had a healthy DeCarlos Brooks for each and every game, I think Scandal's numbers can look much more impressive than, than they are right now. And I, and I think the team is probably worth at least one, one or two more victories. See, I, I agree with you. Like, I 100% agree with you, Hoden. That's why I think it's so weird. Like, I understand that Brooks is injured, but like, mm-hmm. Kyson Brown's not injured. And, and the only, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I, you know how I know when it's going to be a, a screen pass to the wide, to the running back when Kyson Brown is in. Cause he, <laughs> like, if it's Kyson Brown is in instead of Cam Scadabo, I'm like, oh, well, I guess it's going to be an outside uh, running back screen. Oh, sure enough, you know, uh, right. it's like you really telegraph the play. And like, I, I never see Tevin White. You know, I, 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 I barely see Caleb Black. Like, I mean, I know they've got running backs in this roster and, right. and, and I a hundred percent agree, you know, you're right. Because like, I, I think Scadabo could use a breather, you know, like he's, he's like, he's like almost all of this team's offense. Um, I and I mean, I'm joking around about how this guy is the punter and the quarterback yeah. and it's not even a joke. Like Andy's getting like all of the carries and yeah. So I'm like now for a serious question, why are the other running backs not getting carries and not like sharing some of this load so that this Gadbo could be more effective? It's just for the confidence level that the coaches have or really don't have in, in other running backs. Now, no, Kaiser Brown's a true freshman, and not only a true freshman, but a true, true freshman that wasn't even here for the spring, only only arrived in the summer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you did give him somewhat somewhat of a pass. Um, you know, the, the, the guy's built like a brick house, and I think – Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think the Bills should run him more than, than to your point, uh, just utilize him as a, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. But, uh, you know, I just think he's just, you know, as a true pressure, just, just, just still trying to find his way. You know, Tevin White to me is, is the biggest disappointment on the team. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's a player that I thought that, okay, he might, might give Scadaboo a run for his money to be the starter. And if, and if he doesn't start, he's, he's going to be one a, and that just that definitely did not pan out. I mean, I know he had injuries in the spring and I believe also in fall camp, he might have an injury, so those those things are really catching up to him. Now, look, he's also a young player; he's a sophomore, and you know he didn't play a ton last year as, as a true freshman. So I think you're just kind of experiencing, just like with Kyson Robin, that, that that painful learning curve as a as being as being an underclassman. But really, it's just a matter of uh, the talent overall. The what running back room? Uh, if you're not called, I'm sorry, if you're not named Cam Scadabo or Carlos Brooks, is just mm-hmm. not there. And the, and the coaches and the coaches don't have confidence. There, there was actually a game, and I forget which one. That uh, and if you notice this or not, but wide receivers Jair Sanders and Malcolm Stallwell, the two star receivers, they were lining up in the backfield. Yeah, uh, and, and that you know, and, and sure, it's just, you know more creativity to throw off the opponent, but it's also a matter of okay. I mean, we don't know where our, thir- our true number three running back is, and even if we know who it is, we just don't have a lot of confidence that they can even uh, have a good chance of executing what we want to execute on any given play or just overall from a, from an offensive game plan uh, philosophy. So uh, that's really uh, that, that's really been an issue with the AFC running backs. But, again, when, when Scadabon and Carlos Brooks are healthy and playing well, uh, it's a pretty, pretty good one-two punch. I mean, I'm not going to say 
it's uh, and anything like uh, what what Oregon has, for example. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's it's a it's a running game that uh, you know can definitely you know definitely give some issues. And as I said earlier, maybe provide a good balance for Trent Bourget to, to operate with, because again, he, he's able to throw it for over three hundred yards. He's proven it last year. He's proven it this year too. But when he does that, that means that your running game is in the tank, and the ASU offense right here right now is not one that can really just relying on their quarterback to uh, to pass for a gazillion yards and uh, to expect it to be win- uh, winning games like that. You already mentioned the inside receivers. I don't really have any questions about them. They grade out fairly well on my tally sheet. Um, we've already talked for years. We've been talking about Elijah Badger. I don't have any real questions about him. I do have questions about the two new, well, new because they're transfer guys, outside receivers who could, well, actually I, I have I guess there's a, th- a third one that I want to ask you about. Uh, what's the status of Jordan Tyson? I I know that uh, who came in from Colorado. I, yeah. I I I saw him and then I missed him and then I thought I saw him again. What's his deal? Yeah, uh, he actually uh, came to ASU still rehabbing from a knee injury that he suffered at Colorado uh, in in, a, in in November. I don't know why I'm thinking it happened in the Oregon game, but I I, I could be wrong. Hmm. But uh, at any event, uh, it was pretty, pretty late in the season. So obviously he wasn't able to practice not only in the spring, but also not be able to practice in full camp and just working his way uh, slowly. I think he uh, appeared in the last uh, two games. I mean, last week for sure, but I also feel he played in the game before, but um, really not able to do much. Um, you know, I don't it's like a broken record, but it's another player that you can classify to ASU as needing to, uh, uh, to, put, to, to, to really take a lot of rust off. Uh, just because of uh, a long, longer hiatus, yeah. so um, yeah, so was, there's really there's really not, not much not much of expected you know from him in the last two weeks over here. That's somebody that I would really look for spring of 2024 okay. to see how he shines over there because he, he could be a, he could be absolutely a bona fide starter uh, next year, even though he's barely playing right now. I mean, I, I I liked him at Colorado. It's just yeah, yeah you know, the injury stuff. Okay, so the the other two new guys who are sort of tall outside receivers, uh, Troy O'Meara, um, who came over from Texas, who's a four star, and then Xavier Guillory, who who came over from the uh, FCS ranks. You know, they're not getting the same number of targets that Badger is because like nobody is getting the same number of targets that Badger is. Um, but like, if you're looking for an outside threat that's not Elijah Badger, it's going to be one of those two guys. They like. What's your assessment of how they've played this year, Hode? Well, it is ironic. Ironic that both of them really stood out, both in spring practice and fall camp. And I would say Guillory really stood out. And Omir was just one the, one of those players that would have like two, three flashes every practice, maybe kind of disappear after that. But you could definitely see the potential over there. Once the season started, uh, Guillory, ironically, just really, really disappeared. I think the transition from the FCS level as, was just a uh, much. Uh, Stiffer than he thought it would be. I mean, sure, the, the guy's good like an NFL wide receiver, but still hard time uh, really to, uh, creating separation between him and the DB mm-hmm. on a pretty consistent basis. And uh, he was injured uh, a, a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's out for the season. So he's not playing this week. No noise. Oh, playing. oh I, playing rest of the season. Yeah. Oh, that was news to me. Guillory yeah. is injured now for the season. Yeah, yeah. That, that, oh, that, 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 another yeah. one? Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, that, that was a much more recent one compared to. You know some other players on the team, but yes, okay. uh, that, that's that, that's the situation with him. Uh, you know, to, you know, Troy Mary, I mean, definitely showed some flashes uh, also, also, also throughout the season. And uh, you know, he's a player that you know d- definitely passes the eye test as far as as far as a tall, physical, yeah. wide receiver. And it's kind of ironic he said that he doesn't get targeted that much because in the UCLA game on Saturday, 
he got targeted seven times and he just could not complete the catch. And uh, I know, man. I mean, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, he does have the frame to do it, but he just needs to do a better job of fighting for the ball. And that's something that he wasn't able to do. I know that the, uh, the defensive back that, that was uh, defending him for most of the game, I think uh, Devon Kickward is his name, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Uh, he's actually the same, you know, six two, six three frame as Omiri. I know, so, but I, so, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think he's very good defensive back. Like, <laughs> I, I've been watching that guy for a long time too. Like I, I, I you know, it's not. I, I don't really. I don't think he was going up against like a stud dude there. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, but but like, you know, some, some of those players, you know, that that, that came from the transfer portal. I mean, even though they again, the, you know, definitely didn't stink and and showed some flashes spring spring practice fall camp and during the season it's still players that have barely played you know i mean like yeah. badger you know i think because he played so much last year and played played at a high level that's what allows them to play at a high level now now this year he had something to build on but a guy like troy mary and is he's not the, the only player that would classify into the into the category of came to asu with really nothing to build on and, and when you don't have that, then it's really, really hard to shine. And, you know, conversely, Jordan Tyson, if he was healthy when he got to ASU, he definitely had something to build on because uh, he, he was a, the biggest surprise in that 2022 Colorado team. Yeah. Ironically, he's, he's ironically his best. He was like 20 yards a catch. Yeah, his, his best game of the year, ironically, was against ASU. I mean, he almost brought Colorado back. I think it was, I think it was like a, a three-score a three score deficit in the fourth quarter. And Jordan Tyson, by, by himself, almost brought back. Colorado to uh, to to win that game, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the wide the wide receiver group, uh, there is pretty good depth. I feel you know it would be better depth if Xavier Guillory was playing like the way he practiced. It would be even excellent depth if uh, Jake Smith was not denied uh, an immediate NCAA. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that was so obnoxious. I can't believe they did that. Like that doesn't make a lick of sense. Oh, yeah, but yeah, because because him. I mean, I'm just I'm not going to go into a tangent over here, but. Jake Smith in particular, okay, yes. ASU was the third school that he transferred to. No, he did not get his degree. And the NCAA decided just to crack on that. Something in 2022 that let everybody and her cousin. Yeah, I know. Eligible, 2023, they just, you know, just put put the kibosh on it. (laughs) Jake Smith is a guy who last played a game in December of 2020. He was a non-counter at USC, which, you know, for people listening and don't know what that means, USC t- told him, like, look, you're never going to play football for the Trojans. Now, we, you, you can stay on scholarship, you know, or, or your degree from USC, you know, God, God, you know, God, God bless you. But you're never going to play for this team. So what exactly is a guy like Jake Smith didn't need to do at that point? Yeah. But transfer to another team. But now, because he didn't get his degree and the ASU happens to be the third team he's transferring to, now you can deny, deny him immediate eligibility? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, a, it's just not an absolute joke. So I mean, I, I think I think you know if he's able to play, and I think Jordan Tyson, if he was healthy early in the year, maybe we're seeing a whole different wide receiver group, and that can help a guy like like, like Trent Borgay, who again I think is a capable quarterback, but right now just doesn't really have a lot of well, capable options. Well, it's the, the to sort of get to the like the Kenny Dillingham of it all, like the the massive sort of roster turnover, you know, of it all is sort of it's the rule of thirds. You need in order to sort of pull this off, you have you have to get like three times as many dudes as you need because oh, yeah. like it's like two thirds of them are just not going to work out at the high level you need them to, and that's why I was sort of like, 
okay, so, you know, he, he pulls down two freshmen, you know, Hendricks and Black, and then, uh, although one of them, I guess, converts to a running back, um, and then he gets, like, you know, five guys out of the portal. Well, then, you know, one of them gets knocked off for, for NCAA reasons and another one gets hurt. And I'm just like, well, that changes your numbers. And then on top of that, Giovanni Sanders, like, doesn't seem to be getting the same production as he was getting last year. And then Andre Johnson, we all had our fingers crossed, going to yeah. finally break out this year. Doesn't seem to have happened. They converted a running back, Javen Jacobs, who's gotten a couple of catches, but like, it's not like he's turned into like the super stud slot receiver. So it's like, just the numbers aren't like, I'm mean like the number of human beings you know who are, who are like capable of you know it's like it's elijah badger and it's sort of like and then a couple of cat you know, like the cast of characters sure. yeah. and and that's so like so like that's what the numbers look like and it's you know it's crazy because like kenny dillingham like turned over this roster and went hard at the transfer portal and then through like a series of unfortunate events turns out it wasn't enough like the guy brought in like 50 new dudes and it still wasn't enough yeah, when, when you have the rash of injuries, when you have the rash of injuries, it almost doesn't matter. You can bring like a hundred dudes. It yeah. Matter. And it's sort of like, I don't want to ask you too many questions about the tight ends, but just, to, you know, to, yeah. to, to wrap up on the skill position. So, you know, Jalen Conyers is really good, you know, tight end. He, and I know that Kellen Dillingham likes to use multiple tight end sets, but it's like, you know, I don't really in my opinion, uh, you know, Bryce Pierre and Ryan Morgan, you know, are not the greatest receiving tight ends in the world. Uh, Messiah Winston is fine, I guess, but it's like, you know, he, he's throwing passes to tight ends like Pierre and Morgan who, you know, I don't want to say they have bricks for hands, uh, but like, but he's got to, he's got to throw passes to somebody because there's not, I mean, they're, they, they don't have enough like viable receiving options on this team is sort of, the, mm -hmm. you know, which is like a crazy thing to say about a guy who brought in 50 new dudes, but like, exactly. that's how cursed this team has been. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I mean, you know, 2024, when you're going to yeah. have Jake Smith, when you have Jordan Tyson and, you know, and, and maybe, maybe God Guillory just needed that uh, one year of hard knocks. Yeah. To uh, to be, to be a better uh, wide receiver in twenty twenty four and O'Meary, which I mean now I'm not saying he played as poorly as uh, as Guillory has, but you know definitely shows some flashes and definitely I think has something to build on for twenty twenty four. So yeah, I think this wide receiver group uh, is gonna is gonna be really really interesting, and I would say maybe one of the better ones better ones in the Big Twelve next year. And without you know knowing uh, the cast of characters on those teams, I need, I need to learn uh, you know from scratch. Uh, oh, yeah, in, in a few, yeah, I got the same project. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Although uh, you've got some more exciting names to learn about in the Big Twelve wide receiver <laughs> group than I do for Big Ten wide receivers. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just uh, that's I, true. I, you watch the 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 slog of the century, <laughs> Michigan Penn State man. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, the offensive line. This will be the last stuff I, I want to ask you about the you know uh, about the offense. Yeah, I mean, just like this, so like tragic. So I guess the bright spots have been that you know Leif Font now. Uh, the center um, mm -hmm. and Joey Ramos, the right guard, um, have uh, knock on wood when I say this have been healthy all year long. Um, so haven't needed to move those guys around, but have needed to move literally everybody else. You know, so Bram Walden, you know, who I'll bring up just because Oregon fans will be interested to know. Like, sure. you know, I think he got like five starts, you know, at the beginning of the year, but he's yeah. out for the season. Correct. 
the true freshman you mentioned, uh, Sean Na'a, uh, like started started getting some guard, but then they had to move him over to left tackle. And let's see what else. Aaron Frost, who we had penciled in, he was the the transfer who came in, I think, from Nevada, right? Like the Correct. like a second team All Mountain West, you know, player. Turned out mm-hmm. that dude wasn't available for like the first like ten or eight weeks of the season, but recently yeah. have gotten him back. Let's see, Cade Briggs, who like I wasn't really expecting him to play. He's been in and out, but he's been playing recently they lost max hanachor ben bray who we had penciled in for the season has really not played emmett Bowley, they had him at starting to beginning of the year he got injured i think in week two and we haven't seen him since isaiah glass started at the beginning of the year then they lost him then he came back for weeks eight and nine then they he decided to shut it down red shirt he's gonna hit the transfer portal like this is nuts man like like just <laughs> i mean completely like insane what's going on with this line it's completely bonkers uh, so I just wanted to recite all of that. What could, could you just tell me what your prediction is from left to right? What the the, the offensive line is going to be on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I, I really do think that uh, it, it is going to be this, the, the the same line that, that we did okay. see uh, okay. against against UCLA. Uh, you know, as, as far as the status quo, I think there is pretty much status quo right now. When it, when it, when it, when it does when it does come to the meaning you line. don't think they're going to be getting anybody back that Correct. they're like oh oh we exactly. like this guy and we're going to put him back and move this around okay no yeah exactly yeah I mean it's you know the the, the status quo is pretty pretty much pretty much going to be there and uh, yeah I mean it's just, just like uh, you know the last the last two games against Utah against UCLA this offensive line uh, definitely has one one hell of a test uh, to face obviously they did a much better job against UCLA than against, than against Utah. But then again, uh, that swinging gate uh, is what, is, is what, yeah, what well, actually neutralizes. Yeah, UCLA exactly. We'll just, uh, we'll just take all those guys and we'll put them <laughs> off on the sideline. And then, you, uh, you know, Liatu Latu can't blow them up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. The defense. I, I don't. Okay, so structurally, it's you know what we've what Brian Word has been running for a long time now. I thought the Brian Word hire was actually pretty good. I, I liked oh, um, uh, I, I liked what he was doing at Nevada and then Wazoo. Um, he actually you know surprised me in a, a few games in 2022 for being one of the few coordinators who like figured out a couple different things that that like you know, I watch a lot of Pac-12 ball. There's a lot of tricky Pac-12 offenses and like consistently like Wazoo would be like the only team or one of the few teams that would like not fall for a certain trap. Um, so I was like, huh, keep your eye on Brian Ward. And sure enough, like I, I sort of think that, you know, well, definitely, I think, you know, it's been the case that that ASU's defense has been more reliable than its offense simply because of the injury situation um, on the, the offensive side of the ball. It's a 4-2-5 offensive structure, which is not, I mean, it's, I, I don't want to say it's pedestrian or anything. It's just like it, they don't do anything that's super unfamiliar to anybody it's very uh, very aggressive front a lot of blitzes a lot of pressure have i said anything you disagree with so far no absolutely i mean i, I think they really hit the nail on the head and you know you, you obviously saw what he did what he did at washington state uh, you know a game that uh when they played oregon uh, for, for three quarters uh, they really were able to i would say slow down oregon much better than almost any team that oregon faced in 2022 obviously the the, the floodgates did open in the fourth quarter and I think also the, there's a pick six involved there too. But uh, yeah, this is this is not a fun defense to face. And, uh, and again, when you, yeah, they were... when, to your earlier point, when you talk about ASU not looking like a typical three and seven team, uh, the first thing I would point to at least is the defense. 
Yeah. This is not a defense of a three of three one team, that's for sure. And on top of that, like I, you know, over the offseason, the the area that I sort of was pointing to as like, uh, Kenny, I'm not sure you did uh, you know, an adequate job here. Maybe not his fault, just like it wasn't coming through for him, was the interior of the defensive line. Like I was really worried he wasn't gonna have enough dudes to play. And having watched this team, I think the interior of the defensive line has turned out to be fine. First of all, Deshaun Mallory's transfer actually went through, which oh, yeah. that was kind of touch and go, man. Um, <laughs> so that's good. Second of all, CJ Fight, the true freshman, actually plays, not only plays, but is a starter, which like that's extremely rare. So that's cool. I've been seeing uh, Blazin Lono Wong uh, play on the second line uh, recently, which like I didn't really even think that that dude was was going to be on the team to be perfectly honest and instead he's been like a second line player so like you know that's fine they have been uh, sticking with the interior of the defensive line I don't see a ton of rotation though like I've I've only seen like a little bit of Tristan Monday I've only seen like a little bit of San Benjamin and even he is sort of like a sort of switch back and forth Mm -hmm. um, between end and tackle Uh, Anthony Cooper was playing for the first several weeks but I think he got hurt against Washington and I haven't seen him since although I saw some I think some reports that he was practicing this week. That's correct. For the, for the first time in the last few weeks, that is correct. What do you think? Do you think Cooper is going to be available to play this Saturday? Um, I, I think I, I think it's definitely a chance, but I think uh, much like Rashada, it's just it yeah. just might be like a, a pretty strict uh, strict uh, snap count. Um, I, I know that uh, they, they have been doing uh, really well with uh, CJ Fight, uh, a absolute surprise true freshman uh, this yeah, year totally. at, at, at one at one defensive tackle, and sure it helps. It helps that Deshaun Mallory is playing out of his mind. And Mallory's right. a guy that, if you look what he at his career at Michigan State, it's really like close to nothing. And there were yeah, some it, it, yeah, exactly. And, and there were some ASU fans with a concern, like, "Wow, this is a guy that you're bringing in. This is the guy we should all be sweating on, you know, sweating about. Like, does he get qualified? Does he not get qualified? And everything." And yeah, I know. And, and it really went down to the wire too. Exactly. Yeah. So Deshaun Mallory, just absolute blessing that this guy, uh, this guy was able to. To qualify and play for ASU, CJ Fight is actually a guy that committed, decommitted, and uh, when uh, the coaching change took place, and then recommitted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's another uh, player that uh, ASU fans and coaches are very happy that uh, you know, even though it looked it looked for a second that he, he may not be part of the team, that he actually is right now. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I, I think I think the interior of the defensive line is you know is pretty pretty good right now, and, and a guy like. And a guy like uh, Anthony Cooper can only be just a bonus, but we'll see how much well, how much he does play. Yeah, I mean, definitely Mallory and Fight have been big, pleasant surprises. Like, I mean, really, like they, they went from, uh, you know, Kenny, you didn't do your job at all here to, sure. hey, you got two starters, you know, that like I didn't think you were going to have at all, which like, so that's like a 180 degree turnaround. However, I worry... I, I worry about the depth, you know, here at the intern. Like, it just doesn't seem like they're really able to rotate that much or that adequately. And I sort of feel like the fall off to the rest of the guys, you know, in the interior of the defensive line is is a problem, especially with Cooper out. Do you think that's a fair assessment? What do you yeah. What do you think? No, absolutely. I, I I know that Kenny Lingham already said that uh, when they're going to hit the transfer portal additions, they're going hard after both offensive line and defensive line. Yeah. So, there's no really if, ifs or buts or caveats on, on this one. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an area that, that, that does need reinforcements. So Sean Mallory, unfortunately, is a, is a graduate student, so right. he, won't, he will exhaust his eligibility uh, in two weeks. But, uh, yeah, uh, this is definitely uh, one of those areas where 
you just can't bring enough players uh, yeah. from the transfer portal uh, to, to, to play for ASU. This is definitely a dire, dire need in 2024. But again, I think to their to their credit, uh, even with the injuries and the youth and just, you know, just a lot of newcomers trying to come together, I think that uh, Arizona State has been able to do a, a pretty good uh, darn job, uh, not, only, not only with the entire defense, but, uh, but especially in the interior of the defensive line, which, to your point, definitely seemed like a huge question mark in the preseason. And then on the ends, I should note, like the thing that makes ASU's defense go are, are these ends. Like they are, first of all, this is one of the, the most effective sack teams in America. Like I think they're, I think they're in the top 25 of power five teams in terms of sacks per game. I think they're getting about like 2.5 sacks per game. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're aggressive. They're pretty good um uh bj green for like the i think fifth straight year is one of the like top 10 sack leaders in the country um that like nobody knows about i don't understand like i bring up bj green in conversations people are like who and i'm like how do you not know this guy right um uh, 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 and then the other thing is that they are fairly effective in the depth. Um, you know, like, uh, I'm going to talk about the injured guys in a second, but just, so I want to talk about depth too. Like Clayton Smith, um, has been, you know, in relief, fairly effective. Elijah O'Neal has been fairly, he had a great sack in last week in, on the first drive. You know, they've been playing Garen Stansbury. Like I said, Sam Benjamin can play on the outside so they can rotate fairly, you know, effectively on the ends. The issue is been in recent weeks that they lost like two studs uh prince dorba uh who was the other sack master uh to injury and then this one just killed me michael matus who like fought every battle to come back from his acl injury and then he gets hurt again which is like this is not fair like at all um can you do you know what those guys status is like are they gonna be able to play again what's the deal yeah, I mean, uh, it's really, really, really hard to say. Well, but this is definitely, definitely out for the year. Uh, another oh, player that, um, that this was his last year anyway. So yeah, you know, he definitely played his last, last college game oh, ever. That sucks. I, yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll give a little side note. Uh, you know, since uh, you, you show a lot of affinity to him, uh, he actually has a job uh, waiting for him at uh, Shell Gas Oil Company in Texas, and that's where he's from. Huh. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I forget. forget it's going to be exactly. richer than all of us, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't yeah, be so, too sympathetic. Yeah, so, so yeah, somebody said it's a, it's a six-figure salary too. You know, so yeah, all right. So I think uh, you know, yeah, but uh, yeah, he's, he's he's definitely one of those guys that you're absolute class act, a, a true sun devil, and uh, you again when you talk about like ASU pay, paying their dues to the injury gods in 2023, I think my couple twos might be a. Uh, if not exhibit A, at least B or C up, up there. It's just absolutely crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as uh, the injury that you mentioned, uh, there's really not, there's, I don't think expect uh, anything really to change uh, uh, for the Oregon game. I will just uh, mention really quick that Sam Benjamin actually has been practicing with the offensive line for the last three. Oh, weeks. really? Yeah, maybe even four, just because of the uh, depth issues over there. Wow. So he's he's no longer in the rotation now at the defensive line. Uh, just one of those uh, desperate times we'll call for desperate measures, but should mm. basically be tattooed, you know, on uh, every, yeah, every, right. every player's back at this point. So you're you're also not expecting to see Prince Dorba on Saturday? Uh, I, would, I would say probably not. Okay. Uh, that sucks. And then and then I was also curious, well, there's just a couple of guys that we talked about over the summer. The three freshmen that they brought in, Kyron Borda, Ashley Williams, Landon Thomas, we haven't seen. And I'm sort of expecting those guys to continue redshirting, right? Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then the one guy that we've never seen that I've been surprised about was the New Mexico transfer, um, number 52, Ian Shul. Yeah, he just, just got a lot lost in the mix. So, uh, yeah, yeah not, not, okay. not somebody that's even third team, I don't think. It's just sort of, you know, like they've had some injuries and I thought maybe now, but you're thinking, no, probably not. No, not, no, absolutely not. With, with that specific player, absolutely not, no. All right, linebackers. We have seen the Wazoo transfer, uh, Travian Brown. We've seen uh, Caleb McCullough. We've seen uh, the, the the wonderful James Jongum. I love that guy's name and the fact that he wears an offensive lineman's number. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen uh, Tate Romney um, of that Romney family, interestingly. That's pretty much been it. Like I don't think I've seen any other linebackers. Who, how would you assess the linebacker play uh, from those four? Yeah, the linebacker play, I mean, really hasn't, hasn't been... Uh, uh, too bad. Uh, I think that uh, Tate Romney uh, is somebody who had who had a very very uh, you know un, uh, a very forgettable uh, spring practice and even even fall camp. I think he started out uh, you know pretty slow, but just was able to slowly slowly but surely ascend himself uh, in you know in the depth chart. Uh, somebody that definitely did not do anything at all uh, noteworthy in BYU. You know, in terms of the pleasant surprises out of the transfer portal, I think you really have to list him top three. Uh, you know, you know, Trey Brown being the Wiley veteran, also knowing the Washington State scheme that Brian Ward right. and uh, his position coach AJ Cooper both came from uh, Pullman, uh, want to implement has been absolutely, uh, especially instrumental. Uh, uh, Caleb McCullough is a linebacker that's uh, been, I think, for four years in the program now, and just really hasn't been able to do much of anything. Uh, was able to flourish uh, somewhat uh, under the staff. So uh, that's definitely uh, definitely helped uh, help the depth over there. Uh, they did have a player, Will Schaefer, that uh, did uh, uh, put, put himself in the portal after mm-hmm. after he played four games, so he could uh, preserve his right. red shirt. He's somebody that I thought had a very good chance to start, but mm-hmm. uh, he was um, he just uh, wasn't able to really get a lot of love from the coaches and uh, wasn't able to distinguish himself. So uh, he he's already transferred out. Uh, James Johncom. Is somebody who, who absolutely looks like an NFL uh, linebacker, uh, but <laughs> he, he but does some, look like one. Yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Uh, but 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 does somebody that does doesn't make enough of an impact uh, on the game. Now, on the one hand, you can say, look, uh, it, it is a base two linebacker scheme, so it's not like you need mad depth over there at, at, at linebacker, and you better beef up your secondary before you beef up, beef up your linebacker core. But you know, on the other end, I think that uh, ASU. Uh, is de- definitely looking to up- to upgrade that, that position overall. I know they brought uh, two uh, linebackers who are commits, and as long as mm-hmm. they uh, stay with their pledge, uh, both of them are top 100 players in the state of California. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, the overall quality of that linebacker room uh, d- does get better uh, next year. But I really don't think it's been horrible this, this, this year at all. And again, when you just play a base two linebacker scheme, uh, you know, there's only so much you can expect, uh, you know, in terms of depth and, and in terms of impact players in that specific role. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I really, I mean, when I'm watching film, attacking Roe Torrance, the cornerback, it has proven a challenge for some teams because he's so big. I mean, he's, it's, and it's rare to see the combination that he has of size and athleticism. Like, he's not my favorite cornerback in the Pac-12, but just like, yeah. he's, He's enormous and yet he moves, you know, like he's a, a 
like, like he's a smaller man, like he's like, you know, he's more fluid than yeah. his size, you know, would, would sort of betray. And so like, you know, like I actually think Torrance was really, you know, one of the big reasons why ASU performed as well as they did against Washington, because like, oh, it turns out he can pick those dudes, you know, because like Washington has a lot of routes where where it's like they, they want to throw over you in zone coverage and he would just like chill out and like he got that, you know, that pick early on in the game because he was just in zone coverage and he's like, yeah. I am actually tall enough to just jump up and pluck this thing out of the air because I have like exactly. a 10 foot vertical um, and it's like, oh, <laughs> shoot, man. You know, <laughs> anyway, what a lot of teams have found success at is just going tacking the middle of this sort of a long diversion, but uh, getting back to like, I think the, the linebackers are really vulnerable and need to be upgraded like pretty hard. Like mm -hmm. I, I like I really feel like a lot of teams have just sort of attacked the middle of the field. I sort of think that Oregon's going to do that because Will Stein really likes doing that. What I was asking you is, you know, really sort of my question was like, is there something, was there something else going on here? Like, is there somebody injured, but who's like, you know, getting better? Or is there somebody else that's sort of waiting in the wings? Like we talked a little bit about like Jake Dronadal or Zach Bowers. No, no, no. These are players uh, that also just kind of really buried, but uh, buried in the depth chart right now. And it's pretty much a status quo, I would say, of availability, both for the linebackers and the, and, and the defensive backfield. There's really not a whole lot to, um, you know, discuss over here in, in terms of the two deep, it pretty much stays yeah. consistent. Uh, yeah, it, it has been. Yeah, with, with the secondary, you're absolutely right. Like, I, I'm pretty much seeing... With, with the exception of a cornerback, I see some Demetrius Ford rotating with Ed Woods. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, that, that's like a three-man rotation, you know, Rose sure. Lawrence, Ed Woods, Demetrius Ford. But beyond yeah. that, it's like the safeties, you know, Jordan Clark, uh, Shamari Simmons, uh, uh, Chris Edmonds, like mm -hmm. they're pretty much playing the whole game. Like I see a little bit of Mason Williams. Yeah. I, you know, I see a little bit of Al Taylor. And yeah. that's it like that. They're pretty much playing that they're the secondary is the secondary. Simmons has been sort of a pleasant surprise. I wasn't expecting him to be. You know, I, well, frankly, I was expecting what's his name? The the USC guy, uh, Xavier Alford, Alford, just like. Jay yeah, Smith exactly. Was I was yeah. expecting a lot more yeah. out of Xavier Alford. What's what's his story? Yeah, no, I was going to say same thing as Jake Smith. Like he was denied his uh, waiver. From oh, the I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's was, that guy was out, that guy was outstanding from the minute he arrived in Zempi. I mean, that's because I saw him in the spring game. So uh, that's why I, have I mean, you know, all. with with all the issues that USC is, is having on defense yeah. this year, I mean, I, I have a feeling that they, they would love for a guy like Xavier Alford. Uh, to oh, they wouldn't be able team. to use him. I guess. I guess not. Yeah. And uh, and just like a um, small correction. I mean, uh, both Jordan Clark and Mason Williams technically are not safeties, actually the Nickelbacks. But that that, that is. Okay. Yeah. That that that, that isn't. Think of Nichols as safeties in this. Okay. Got it. Defense. But okay. yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Just just not a you know ton of rotation. I don't really you know detect any sort of like fatigue issues. You guys are no. great athletes. You know, yeah. uh, Jordan Clark, Jesus, has been there forever. Um, <laughs> yes, he has. Uh, so is Chris. Ed so Chris Edmonds has been around. Both of those guys have been around since 2019. Uh, you know that there is. So is Shamari Simmons. Like this is it's a it's a very veteran. Simmons is a 2019 dude. Edmonds is a 2019 dude. Uh, Clark is a 2019 dude. Um, uh, uh, Mason Williams is 2020. Roe Torrance is uh, 2021. Um, Demetrius Ford is 2019. Ed Woods is 2020. Like none of these guys are are, are wet behind the ears or anything. Like the, you know, it's it's sure. it's a veteran group. Uh, uh, you know, in the secondary. Yeah, and, and I don't want to put an asterisk uh, because somebody comes from the FCS uh, ranks, but uh, both D Ford and Shamari Simmons uh, both came from the same FCS uh, team, Austin P, and they yeah. had a very and they had a very good career there. So I'm not I'm definitely not belittling them by any means. I think I think a Simmons specific was. 
yeah. uh, absolute, absolute stud at FCS level. So both, both of them came from the portal uh, this this year to Tempe, and uh, Ed, Edmonds actually uh, did, did come last year as a transfer, and I, and I thought yeah, I he thought was really, also from the FCS ranks. Uh, uh, correct, yeah, from uh, from Samford. I'm trying right. to be really careful to say Samford. Yeah, Samford. Yeah, <laughs> everybody yeah. from Samford says that. <laughs> you know, like exactly, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, and ironically, you mentioned Xavier Alford. I think if Xavier Alford is eligible, uh, Chris Edmonds is not the starter. I mean, sure, he gets tons of snaps every game, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but, but he probably doesn't start over, over Xavier Alford. And so uh, he's definitely the biggest beneficiary of, of Alford being sidelined due to the NCAA waiver not, uh, not, not, not going through. But, uh, yeah, this is definitely um, just overall a very, very strong secondary that I think in 2024 – uh, can still uh, really, really keep, in theory, the. But you think players. they're sticking around? I I think this whole. I mean, they still have eligibility. Depends. I, I don't have the I don't have the eligibility chart in, in, in front of me, but the folks that, that still have eligibility, I, I think uh, I think they, they would stick around because in this Brian Ward defense, I mean, you're absolutely going to flourish. I mean, you're going to have one hell of a film to show uh, and, and, and NFL scouts, and I think you know, even though, as I mentioned earlier. This is not a defense that looks like a three-win team defense by any means, but uh, yeah, I think I think if you have eligibility left, uh, you want to stick around. You know, in the Big Twelve, maybe you can find more success than you do in the Pac-12. Uh, I think the quarterbacks over there in the conference are less menacing. Let's say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're not you're not facing Bo Nix one week and uh, Mike, Michael Penix uh, another week and Kel Williams the third week uh, in the Big Twelve. So uh, you know, maybe that's another opportunity. Another reason, another incentive to just uh, really, really stick it out uh, at Arizona State if you have eligibility left. Uh, last question that I have, uh, I, I talked about him a little bit already, but I was getting ahead of myself because I really just wanted to be talking about the linebackers. The uh, which is, do you think that Roe Torrance is an NFL cornerback? Oh, size wise, yes. Um, in terms of just pure play, he can be. He can be. I mean, I'm less, I'm less sure of him compared to some other uh, players on the team. But I, I, I think he could. I think he could. He could be. You know, I mean, not not a first teamer, but maybe maybe a second teamer, a special, a special teamer. He does. I mean, it, the the raw talent and potential is definitely there. And and as um, but as coaches will you know use a worn out cliche, you can't teach someone to be six four. Yeah. So he definitely has some appealing aspects uh, to him, and I don't know if he'll maybe play even safety in the NFL, you know, rather rather than a corner. But I, I, again, I I think he has a spot to play on Sundays, but uh, he's he's gonna have to work hard for it, and I don't know if it's gonna be a niche that you know a, a bona fide uh, starter and integral part of the defense. I don't I don't know if he's if he's quite there yet. I mean, maybe he gets there one day, but. But right here, right now, um, I'd be hard-pressed to say that. Hode Rubino of Devil's Digest, at Devil's Digest on Twitter. Uh, man, it's it's been nice talking to you over the years. I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll happen again at some point in the future. But just want to say you've been absolute professional, and I'm really liking this team. And, you know, I can't say I'll be rooting for them this Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, I can, but, I, can, I, can, I can like him Saturday night. That's what I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I'm a little more of a Ducks fan, but I, I hope you kick the hell out of the Wildcats because that would be a fun <laughs> way and deserving way to end this season for the Sun Devils. I'll be right Yeah, look, 
Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, we're, I know we're not here to talk about uh, the, the the territorial cup, but uh, <laughs> Arizona has it going on. I mean, I think every AAC fan can can admit that they they're playing their best football in a long, long time, and that's mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, you know what one hell of a matchup uh, the Saturday Saturday after Thanksgiving. But uh, right now, everybody's thinking about this matchup, and you know, just just one quick thing to mention, you know, Kenny Dillingham said they have to be really careful about that quote-unquote chess game that he's going to run against Dan Lanning and Dan Lanning's going to run and return against him. And he, he almost said like he almost said that he's not going to really give any tips in terms of schemes uh, to Brian Ward and, and to the defense because he just feels that Oregon on offense is running just a, a brand new scheme and it, look, it looks totally different. I mean, sure, you can talk about personality, you can talk about uh, strengths and weaknesses of certain players in Oregon, but that's where the conversation starts and ends. So, uh uh, I'm really curious to see if there are going to be any rabbits uh, pu- pulled out of the hat uh, from ASU side or from Oregon side, uh, you, you know, for, for that matter. I can say that uh, in the uh, earlier chess match of the season, uh, Brian Ward uh, was able to stifle the Washington State offense. Granted, it took him a half, but in the second half, the Cougars only scored six points, and that obviously was huge in the Arizona State's first Pac-12 victory of, of the season. So, We'll see if uh, ASU has that uh, same luck on Saturday because, man, this, is the familiarity factor between both staffs is really just unbelievable and on a different level. But I think also going to be really careful not to try to, re- to reinvent themselves. And they're basically going to say to each other, look, this is what I'm running. You know what I'm running. You know, go ahead and try to stop it. And uh, th- that's what I think might come down to more than just wacky and creative plays all over the place. Well, I will say, like, from looking at, you know, from, from having watched the team, like, it does seem like they really, you know, they chose their shots, sure. you know, you know, when, uh, like, you know, it, they, they, they wound up losing the, uh, the, the Cal game and the Colorado game by like three points, but exactly. like, it, they clearly had game plans to win those games. Absolutely. Uh, and then, like, you know, when they played Utah, they were like, all right, fine, whatever. And then, you know, but then when they played UCLA, they were like, they identified that that was a winnable game and they they pulled out, like, all the stops. And, like, I sort of figure Arizona is going to be the last game of the year. You know, it's not they're not going to a bowl game. Uh, I, I kind of figure Arizona is going to be a game where they pull out all the stops again. You know, like, sure. why not? Yeah. Why not empty the tank? It's the territorial 100%. cup. It's a rivalry game. I'm really looking forward to that game. I always look forward to it. I think it is the it's the one rivalry game in America between two teams that had their priorities straight, which was hmm. number one, uh, establish football teams that hate each other. Number two, <laughs> join the union. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I am into it. I'm actually genuinely looking forward to the, the, the stuff that, that Kenny Dillingham comes up with to try to knock Jed fish off his pedestal. Like everybody wants to <laughs> raise Jed fish and he's going to get a contract extension and, Oh, look what, you know, Arizona's ranked now. And like, yeah, like yeah. I, I cannot, I cannot wait to see what Dillingham comes up <laughs> with that. And, and I'm sort of thinking that maybe he's going to take it easy on the ducks to, to keep the powder dry for that, you know, yeah, why not? He's, he's going to help the Ducks keep their uh, Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, because, uh, you know, he needs line. to keep that stuff in reserve for Arizona when it makes the most sense, you know. No, yeah, and, 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 I, and I think, you know, that it does help that because of the Dillingham factor, so to speak, 
this is not going to be a trap game for Oregon. It really won't be because I, I mean, they know they have to take this game seriously yeah. just because of who's Arizona State's head coaches. So I, I, I think the trap game argument, at least in my opinion, just just really just really goes out of the window. I mean, I know that the Oregon players and coaches are not going to admit publicly they're thinking long and hard about the Civil War because yeah. no, because they, they want that shot against Washington round two so bad. You know, they just know we cannot screw this up, especially in the Civil War being in Eugene. But but again, I just don't think they I don't think they're overlooking ASU one bit just because of who their head coach was. As as much as I hate to say it, if Herm Edwards was still the head coach, oh sure, this, this would be the mm-hmm. mother of all trap games, the mother <laughs> of all of all look ahead games. And Oregon Oregon Oregon's probably still win it, don't get me wrong. But uh yeah, I just think just because the Kennedy Daily have factor, uh this is a game that uh, nobody in Eugene is taking lightly. I'm just well, glad that they get one more chance to play because you know, yeah. like these teams hadn't played since 2019. I know, and, and it would crazy. really, it would really stink if the if the conference blew up with that one last chance. Uh, you know, to to put the game together. So I'm looking 100%. forward to it. Hope yeah. it's been great talking to you. I, I've always enjoyed our conversations. I hope absolutely we'll do it again someday. Okay, yeah. take care, guys.